0: Well welcome to those listening. This video is part of a series where I'm talking with church leaders and planters from around the country about a, a range of, of topics. And today I'm delighted to welcome Luke Ijaz. Luke, good to have you with us. Good to see you, Sam. Great stuff. Well, I, uh, I was with Luke uh, at the All Souls Clubhouse in, in London. Uh, I worked with him and worked under him. He was my supervisor when I was training for ordination, uh, and you were my vicar for a few years. And we, well, we were thinking about it earlier. You you even married Sueann and I. We're very grateful to you for all sorts, and especially for that. Uh, Luke, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, and I guess the best thing to the best way to begin on that is to speak about my um, uh, relationships, isn't it? Because I think those are those are what tell me who I am. Um, so I'm I'm married to Smaragda. We have uh, three daughters, um, uh, ten and under in terms of age. There, um, I'm my mother's son, uh, raised without my um, human father, but at the age of twenty. I uh, um, was gratefully adopted uh, into the family of my heavenly father. Um, It's a privilege now to be a child of God. And I see it as my um, duty now to be a servant of Christ. And um, raised in London, lived in London, lived elsewhere, came back now ministering London again.
0: Oh, fantastic. Uh, that's that's brilliant, Luke. Uh, we had a great time, actually, Suan and I, when we were, we were down in London and, and we were just talking before we, we hit the record button. You and I uh, often went to uh, Starbucks uh, and chatted theology. I think we were, we were trying to read some of Calvin's institutes at, at one point, weren't we? We never got through the whole thing, um, but we had loads of discussions about church, about church ministry, church leadership liturgy and when we we called a few weeks ago to sort of talk about what we might uh, uh, reflect upon in in this video and we we thought about all sorts of topics we could have discussed but we're gonna we're gonna focus in really on the 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 topic of leading in the city Uh, and and we'll come on to that uh, shortly but first really a question that I like to ask uh, people who come on these videos what is church?
1: And the first thing that's come to my mind there is that, uh, that phrase which occurs in um, a number of places and in a number of different ways uh, throughout the scripture, where the Lord says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And it's there in Exodus 6, it's there in Leviticus, it's there in, in Jeremiah. And it comes up again and again. And I think that captures something vital that, um, uh, you know, I will be your God. There's a divine activity there. Um, and you will be my people there's a there's a human response so the church at its most basic is um something to do with something to do with divine and human uh, togetherness mm. um romans chapter 10 uh, can be quite helpful for us on this in romans chapter 10 it says how then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching uh, to them? And as a reminder there then, well, the divine action is, is the preaching of the Christ of the scriptures. Um, um, that's what comes first. But then in Romans 10, it goes on. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So the human response is faith in Christ. So that's it. The uh, divine action, the preaching of the Christ of the scriptures, the human response, faith in the Christ who has been preached. Um, when these two coincide, that's the point at which you can say, well, church is, is formed, it, it comes into being. Um, Luther. Uh, said that the uh, the church is, is a creature, you know, a creation, a creature of the word. But there's loads more that you can say off the back of this, and there's this at least that must be said. Um, in Acts chapter 1, where do we find the disciples? We find them um, in a sort of a in, in stasis, almost. Uh, they're huddled together in that upper room. And They are waiting for the Holy Spirit um, to come upon them. And there's a reminder there then that it is the the Holy Spirit who makes our preaching of Christ uh, that divine action. And also it is the Holy Spirit who makes our response of faith a truly human action. And... uh, yeah there's no living church uh without the holy spirit
0: Mm.
1: but the church itself is formed through the preaching of christ Stuff, i love that and of course oh please a huge (laughs) no end of books no end of thinking needs to happen but starting there a lot of good thinking can happen
0: Yeah, I mean, if I can just um, ask a, a follow-up question there. I mean, I love that phrase, that kind of divine human togetherness. And uh, I remember in those discussions we had in the the, the coffee shop, and other coffee shops are available. Uh, but the thing is, we we were talking a lot about liturgy, and I, I can remember talking about well, how how do we kind of form and, and shape our Sunday services? Thinking about that divine human togetherness and that way that that God speaks in our services, uh, and that there are opportunities for us to respond in those services. So, you know, as as, as the, the preaching and the reading of the word is God speaking, perhaps our singing and our prayers is that that response. Could you just talk to us a little bit about that? And perhaps thinking about maybe how how, how do we form and, and shape orders of service if you like with this divine human togetherness in mind
1: yeah and again that's there's a whole conversation on that in itself isn't there but it is a reminder isn't it that whenever we're gathered together in worship we are gathered in the presence of the um uh, living lord um and he has um uh business to do with us in that uh, gathering together and Again, we're not a collection of individuals when we come together in corporate worship, are we? We are um, a body um, that's being uh, assembled um, and and remembered, so to speak, as as we come together from our scattered lives as we're gathered in the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's always formation going on within us individually, and and liturgy can serve that purpose in a a very um, profound way. Um, but equally that sharing of language, um, that, that sharing in what we're hearing and that sharing in, in what we speak out, um, is forming us together as a body as well. Um, and we're mostly at a loss for the right words to say. Um, uh, it's great that we have this treasure in the church of rich liturgy, uh, drawn Uh, from the scriptures, um, uh, drawn from centuries of of worship practice um, that just allows us to um, uh, give voice to the very deepest things uh, in our lives and um, uh, give voice and articulation to the very deepest truths uh, that we celebrate together.
0: Mm. Brilliant stuff. That's great. And I think thinking about you know one of the things I learned from you just thinking about the orders of service as this this conversation between us and the Lord and just thinking about who starts the conversation you know and uh, those having that call to worship from the Lord at the beginning of our service and making sure all of our response really comes from His Word spoken to us first because like as you say just oftentimes we we don't know what what to say but actually to hear His Word first and then respond back to him and maybe that should help us as we think about how we how we choose songs for example as well perhaps we don't want to start with those songs which are all about us making promises to the lord at the start of the service perhaps we want to start with with songs that are really affirming the truth of who he is and what he's done for us Uh, that kind of uh, allows us to respond in, in praise and worship so Thanks so much for that, Luke. Well, look, let's uh, let's move on to this conversation around leading, leading a church in the city. I mean, you're a, you're a vicar there in central London and leading a church that's uh, in the parish of All Souls, Langham Place. I think I'm right in saying you're, you're, the parish boundaries are, well, Monopoly Central, really. It's uh, Oxford Street, Baker Street, Tottenham Court Road. Euston Road I think I think I'm correct there and um, so very very well central London very busy area and um, please share with us just some of your reflections on leading a church in a city
1: yeah and I think there's two broad areas that are, that are standing out here and these will be echoed straight away um, in any city context probably in most even in rural context but certainly in in city contexts the busyness of it and the and the and the transience of it and um of course that that's the the busyness and transience around but it's then the busyness and transience in the lives of the church members um themselves uh london is a very much a place where everyone feels like they're out of time you know they they've they've um, not got enough of it um and uh that's the expectation that everyone uh, lives by they're rushing from one thing to the next always trying to reclaim a minute here there or the other because they're just we're just out of time uh we don't have enough of it but of course we step back and we realize that time is a gift to us uh from the Lord and uh he knows uh what we need um how much time we need um so this generous gift of time that the lord has has given us in a day in a week across a year it's more than enough to be doing all of the things that he is calling us to do and i really do mean all of the things again that's it the 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 whole of life um so Which, you know, are we in sync with the Lord um, when we think about time? Or are we driven uh, by the culture around us and the demands, the relentless demands that it makes upon our times? Uh, Marching to the rhythm of the city often isn't sustainable. Maybe... Well, more, probably more than maybe but maybe we need a different rhythm of life and i'm going to use that word rhythm because um sometimes is about balance isn't it if i can balance my work with my family with my friends with my church involvement well that's that. Is, that, that that's not it um it's not it's not about balance it's about rhythm and and rhythm is a much more fluid thing isn't it it's it's uh, it, it, it it's 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 following the shape of a graph it's got curves and it's got peaks and it's got troughs and again across a day across a week across a season uh what are the rhythms um we need to have in place that are going to be life-giving um that are going to be uh, yeah life beyond sustainable That are going to be life-giving in which we thrive in which we flourish and in which the things we put our hands to uh, flourish under us. Um, now, one person trying to go against the flow in a city is not going to get very far. It's just all-encompassing. But actually, as a community of believers, are we, again, just driven uh, by all that's going on around us? Or are we modelling something different? And there's that real... um power of community to be walking um at a at a a different pace um to be uh you know going against the stream to be doing life in a a different way and again we're plush with resources uh from our christian tradition to help us to do that and um you know the most basic level in the way we do our life together as a church uh, what a gift the, the the shape of the liturgical year is um to us do we do we make the most of that
0: mm. so
1: that we know uh, where we're going to have our rest time where we're going to have our um, more intense times um all of that um but that's a conversation that needs to happen with us corporately um and very much in this context here i think we're all in the nursery <laughs> we're, we're needing to have that conversation we're needing to um work out how are we gonna survive and thrive here in the city to be about christ's purposes and that's going to take a healthy rhythm that embraces all of life um and lockdown or lockdowns or uh or maybe we should just say 2020 <laughs> is um has provided opportunities for uh, uh, resets on a number of fronts and uh, you know again you're, you're, youre there's been the challenges of it hasn't there but there's been the opportunities of a year such as this and and, and one of the ways in which I have valued and um, being off the wheel so to speak is the opportunity to just reset a lot of rhythms and a lot of um, patterns in life in all areas um, of life uh, so being in sync with the lord and his timing is uh, uh, a huge thing in the city um because there's so few others that we're in sync with even in the church congregation you know what what rhythm of life are people uh, uh living to it it's it, it's certainly not a six seven day week for most people um what is it a 10 day week a, a, a 14 day week um uh well what even using that word day isn't always helpful because there's in here in london there's the workforce that comes in uh, for the daylight hours they all uh, depart in the evening and then there's the workforce that comes in for the nighttime hours who are pretty much invisible um but are absolutely vital uh, for sustaining uh, the life of the city um how do you get in sync as a community with one another? And, uh, you know, we puzzle over that, don't we, sometimes? It's like, well, I haven't seen so-and-so at church for um, a month. Um, they're not very regular, are they? But actually, they are regular, because in their, in their rhythm of life, the way it currently um, plays out, once a month is the only chance they're going to be there um, on a Sunday. Now, that brings in all of this stuff around the gathered body of Christ and the scattered body of Christ. And we do know that in, in obviously, in a week, most of our time is scattered. Um, but when we do gather, we want those to be real anchor points, don't we? Points at which actually our lives do somehow come into sync uh, to some extent. And uh, not least um, that Sunday worship gathering Everything uh, uh, flows out from that, Um, and obviously the task of discipleship—you know—making disciples has to involve, um, yeah, reshaping our rhythms of life, doesn't it? It has to has to say, well, you know, certain things have to be given um, pushed to one side to make room for um, uh, more important things. That sacrifices need to be made. Uh, to be able to engage with church life, to be able to um, uh, serve meaningfully in church life. And so in discipleship, discipline <laughs> needs to be taught to ill-disciplined people. And I count myself um, among those. Um, we need to have um, discipline in our life, don't we? Uh, across a day, across a week, um, if we're going to keep walking Uh, strong uh, with the Lord Um, but that's it the model of how we're doing church can't simply be come and access church life um, at this time in this place in this way Um, now there needs to be more going on and maybe this is where 2020 has been a teacher for us as well that um, as we think of staying connected as we are scattered across the city, um, as we are thinking of uh, how best to resource one another in our walk with Christ, Um, what are we providing there uh, that can be accessed by the whole church at the time in the places and in the ways um, that work for them? And very much here, and I know this is just national at the moment, is this this hybrid of things where, um, you know, here we are sitting down doing a Zoom recording. I didn't know what Zoom was uh, nine months ago, but um, we've all been upskilled and uh, going forwards 2021, 2022 beyond. Again, we've been upskilled well uh, for um, uh, discipling one another better in the city context
0: mm. Mm. that's that's great uh, and and so you, you were reflecting there on on something of the, the busyness of uh, of life in in the city and that certainly you know obviously is the case in london and i i moved up to manchester and it's it's the same thing here and just establishing some of those rhythms and patterns could you just talk to us a, a, a little bit about for you personally, what are those rhythms that you try to put in, in place? Maybe on a, on a daily, a weekly, a monthly, and an annual basis. If you could just share something of that.
1: Yeah, I can tell you, I, I'll i approach it from the, the rhythms that are not haven't always been in place or haven't been in place well. So rest time. Has not always been in place well. Now, of course, rest time is that that's 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 more than just a day off. We often talk about a day off, don't we? But that's a pretty negative way of speaking about it. But what, what, what does a what does, what does rest time look like in a week, in a, in a season, in a year? And um, I'm increasingly aware of my need to put down, um, uh, to 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 mark out in the to, in the terrain ahead of me, meaningful uh, uh, rest time um, uh, for replenishment. Um, and again, it is on all those ways, isn't it? What are you going to get in the week ahead? Some weeks that will lend itself to a rest day, but some weeks it won't lend itself to that. So, but still, where will rest be within that? in the longer um, uh, time frame, yeah, you can have exceptional weeks where you're not resting well, but you can't have many exceptional weeks because yeah, that that just becomes the norm then, doesn't it? If you're you're not resting, um, you need to quickly break out of um, um, cycles that trap you (laughs) easily like that, uh, tunnels in which you're, Um, Constantly absorbed by uh, work and ministry or other pulls upon your time so that you can have meaningful rest Um, You need to plan this out uh, much further ahead than I've appreciated Um, Sometimes it's hard to see what's going to be happening in a month's time, let alone in six months' time But it needs to be um, mapped out, that terrain, so that rest can meaningfully be in there Why is this? Well, probably because we work from the place of rest, don't we? We don't work towards rest. (laughs) We've been created to work from the place of rest. And so if rest is in place, work will flow from it. So rest then not just being that negatively conceived uh, recovery um, from. Uh, And rest is not just good for me. it's good for everyone around as well, because particularly in, uh, in, in ministry and if you're in a church planting context there, does it seem like you're the one holding it all together? Hmm. Does it seem like you're the one who's uh, building the house? And if you disappear, the house is going to collapse. Um, I'm sure we all have tendencies to think like that at times, but us being able to take rest hmm. does remind us it's the lord who's um uh building the house and dare i say it that all of us are um dispensable and realizing that that's actually quite a joyous um freeing thing um so rest is absolutely um uh you know a thing isn't it (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, the major boulder that goes into the diary in a sense isn't it you you that's that's what you need to get into place uh uh, first off, and all sorts of things get uh, skewed when you um, uh, miss that one out.
0: Mm.
1: One of the things I've realised as well, over the, particularly in 2020, is, I- again, the, the, the rhythm of life has to encompass all of life, um, uh, you know, on whatever level that it's going to be um, um, you, you, or whatever level you can conceive, uh, you know, you need to attend to your physical health. And I've, uh, I've not been good at that. Um, so 2020, I've been diarising that more. My exercise, I've got to be um, uh, looking after myself if I'm going to go the distance. Uh, but in 2020 as well, we've been seeing how, um, how there's been a strain on mental health for people, um, uh, not least because of isolation um and maybe people become aware of how close they are to well how fragile they are to perhaps having um mental health uh uh, difficulties again in the week what are we doing to attend to our health on um on that level so i think there are all sorts of um um yeah that, that, that's it i think for each of us it has to be sort of tailored and bespoke to us doesn't it in our unique context um but there are these constant things that need to be attended to our our physical health as well as our spiritual health our our mental health our social health in a sense, our social life um uh and again isolation and not being able to see people face to face has not been numb uh, it, it good for that, for any of us, in mm. 2020.
0: Mm. Thank you, Luke. Yeah, and I mean, it's so, so helpful. And I guess saying yes to rest, physical exercise, friendship, friendships, is going to say, mean saying no to some things and perhaps even some, some good things. I think for me, it's been important to have clarity and focus on what, what I think the Lord is calling me to, uh, which that rest and that the physical exercise and that those relationships all support and really a part of, um, so that I know what to say no to. Um, I think that's been helpful for me. You talked about a couple of challenges in leading a church in, in the city, and one of which being busyness. You also talked about transience. Uh, Could you you reflect a little bit on that for us?
1: Yeah, and it's that sense, isn't it, that people are passing through. And I think that very much is a city thing, isn't it? People come to the city... For um uh, for certain purposes, and once they've achieved that purpose, they are on their way. Or it's not intentional. They they come to a city, they try to embed, put down roots, but life um carries them on elsewhere. And uh, it probably is certainly in this patch that on average people are going to be around for two and a half or three years. Now, some people do buck the trend and they're around for for a good deal longer, thankfully, but still. Maybe up to 60% of people are, um, you know, turning over. Uh, you know, there's that that they they they've they, they've passed through after two and a half to um, three years, and that would be the city as a whole, as well as the life of the church uh, within it. Um, and certainly in the in the, in the um, uh, the place that I'm 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 living uh, uh, in the seven years that I've lived here, all of my neighbours have certainly moved on. Hmm. Um uh and you know you barely think you're scratching the surface with relationships with most of them, right? And they've already moved on. Um and this always triggers in my mind Paul's experience in Ephesus, which hmm. is there for us in Acts chapter 20. Um, and it, it's not an exact parallel, but Paul was a transient person, wasn't he? He was always passing through. But he had three years in Ephesus, um, and he made the you know that that was the time frame he was working with, um, and he made the most of uh, that time frame. We're told there in Acts chapter twenty that yeah, for three years he was in Ephesus, and he says, uh, in that time I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the Ephesians, that is the whole counsel of God, and that's interesting, isn't it? They're in that three year block. He, um, he basically discharged his duty to to, to, to pass on the whole Council of God to to disciple um, uh, uh, the Ephesians and then feel great I've done my job I can I can now move on um, and well what's the whole Council of God that can't be that he that he, that he that he gave them absolutely everything that he possibly could he couldn't have um uh, uh, sucked scripture dry even if that was um possible it he gave them all um that they needed to thrive as a church within that framework of of um, that time frame of 3 years and it says that he did that how did he pass on this whole counsel of god he did that publicly and house to house so there is that sense of like yeah again the um the the the, the public gatherings in which he would have taught and preached and the, the one-to-one work where he went around and um, spent time with individuals and families. And um, I think that time frame then of three years, again, a lot of things in the city, you can think of negatives kind of, oh, these people are moving on. I've just got to know them. how sad they're moving on after three years. Um, but the three year time frame. Should give us a sharpness and a focus to our um, ministry objectives and it should certainly give us a sharpness and focus to the way we disciple um and uh you know that's an opportunity we have now again it's it could be very different in a very different context where you, you you at least hope people are going to be around for life uh, everything does work then at a slower pace doesn't it and, and, and you know maybe even a very different approach um but in the city if you know you've got three years the clock's ticking. I think building on from this, there's that again, what are often seen as the challenges, turning them around and making them the opportunities. Mm. So, when that three year mark does come up and someone moves on, um, that can be seen just as a loss, and you know, there's that disappointment oh, now so and so's moved on, or um, um, you know. Yeah, there can just be this 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 disappointment left, this this kind of heavy cloud over things that um, that, that 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 people are being, you know, are moving on. Um, but that's always going to be the case in the city. Um, there's not going to be that that long-term stability. Now, hopefully, there'll be a core for which that is true in the life of the church, but certainly for the majority, that isn't going to be the case at all. So the change there in our mindset must be more sense of, well, after three years, we're going to be sending on. Mm-hmm. Um, and making that part of our our rhythm of life, really, is that the expecting to be sending people on. Um, so the moving on then, that the idea of oh, someone's moving on, that's, that just hinders our mission.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we can't um, get on with the things we want to do. What a shame. No, sending on actually says this giving away, so to speak, is actually central to the mission. It doesn't hinder the mission. It has to be central to our mission and objectives as a church. And uh, again, that practice of radical generosity. <laughs> you might not have any choice because um, um, uh, that, that family, that individual is going to move on anyway, but let's get behind them. Let's, um, let's uh, um, uh, celebrate with them as uh, they're sent on, indeed, as the Lord leads them on uh, to new things, even when that involves giving away our best. And I think then, and particularly for church plants in contexts and uh, a, a scale of a church family um, like the one that I'm part of is that You rarely have the opportunity for empire building. Hmm. Now, you could just be sitting there thinking, yep, we're going to grow bigger, stronger, Hmm. more substantial, more secure. The reality, probably for most contexts uh, uh, and for most uh, uh, church communities for most of the time, is we're actually going to be pretty weak and frail um pretty vulnerable um but maybe maybe that's how the lord wants us to be um uh uh, frail and so aware of our weakness and so dependent upon him uh uh, to give us all that we need uh, to keep living literally I think that brings also in this theme here of partnership and uh, certainly the context i mean we're in a sort of reverse engineered church plant this was a this was this was a, a, a church congregation that came alive in the days before um church planting uh, was really the done thing and um uh the church sort of sprang into life um without much of that reflective practice on uh well what on earth are we going to be about and um, where are we going and uh that you know in a sense has been um uh, uh, some some ways a, 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 a freedom but in other ways a constraint and reverse engineering it over the last few years has been um uh, you know part of the task here is to Ask some of those very preliminary questions of a congregation that's been around for 50 years. Um, but is the aim always for a church to become, um, and you know, uh, well, to be planted and then to become self sufficient, to become self sustaining, um, uh, so that you then go, Well, I, I, yeah, we're fine, we don't need anyone else? Is that the aim? Um, there might seem to be a lot of um, security and long-term prospect in that, but there's also, you know, that's it dependence can often be heard as a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is such a thing as good dependence, or, or rather, you know, mutual interdependence. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly that's what we see here in this context where we're, we're, we're um, a, a significant part of a larger um, uh, parish network. And as the daughter of the parents, yeah, we really do need that partnership with the parents. And um, it wouldn't be a long shot to say, uh, you know, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that if... If our parent didn't still subsidize us, we wouldn't be solvent. Um, And so as we are thinking of planting or or revitalizing or growing churches, must we always be the lone rangers? Must we always go it alone? Or are there creative ways for um, churches to partner together um, to create those well networks and webs? Um, uh, that enable us to reach areas that we um, wouldn't otherwise be able to reach, to 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 get ministry established in neighbourhoods where otherwise we'd be excluded. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's so many elements to that, aren't there? But 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 you know, in the very least, on the financial front. Yeah most of the nation you probably couldn't establish an effective ministry within if you're assuming you're going to have a hundred thousand pound turnover every year um but again that's just one angle isn't it um but in partnership all sorts of things become uh possible There's one probably other little thing that has come to my mind as well, is that, yeah, the transience, we see it and we feel it most in the life of our church families. You know, it's always uh, an ache to say um, goodbye to anyone. Um, But that churn, that churn, I suppose you could call it, is going on throughout the city and the local community all the time um, that there's that influx and efflux of people, are we attuned to that? Um, now sometimes you think well, there's so much change going on how are we ever going to keep a pace with it and the idea is probably not to keep a pace with it because change for the sake of it isn't a good thing, um, but the reality is as um, uh, the, the residents and workers of an area change, um it makes for a very different area and so what are we what are we offering as a church in terms of our ministry programs in terms of the ways we serve the local community we must keep our eyes open um and be and keep these ministries and these projects um agile um and able to adapt and so keeping in play reflective practice and in here in the city center i think yeah the danger is you can be too slow yeah. at reflecting on and reviewing what you're doing so that so that what you're doing becomes blunt much more quickly than you assume you think oh we only reviewed it last year <laughs> that's it it needs a review every year or certainly every two years if the work we're doing and the ways we're serving is going to keep a sharp edge if mm-hmm. um, it's not just to become blunt and irrelevant certainly we've discovered that in um, this area where mm-hmm. we've had to do a, a, a huge vision uh, uh, reset and, uh, and and reshape of ministry practice
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, realizing that yeah this needs to happen as an ongoing dynamic, not just, um, uh, you know, a, a once-in-a-generation thing when things have already um, uh, become outdated.
0: Mm. Hmm. Oh, Luke! So many helpful thoughts, there So much for us to to, to think through further. I've I've written a, a whole page here of, of notes, and I'm going to be thinking it through um, after this. And yeah, I, c- I can remember. When I moved to London, i had moved from a small farming village, and the churches there—you know—I had, had members who were who were you know baptized as babies, christened, uh, and and stayed part of that that church until they were eighty, ninety, uh, and had many family members there. You know, some churches had, had you know big families as part of, of, of those churches. And to me, I think it was a bit of a shock moving to to London and being confronted with the busyness and the transience. Um, and it's you know it certainly it, it has its challenges when it comes to, to leading churches. And one thing I just found interesting as you were you were speaking and sharing there is that you know what you've said about you know, the busyness and the transience of, of London is, is true of Manchester as well, uh, where I'm serving here and I'm sure it's true in in cities all over this this country, and thus the the wisdom and the experience that you've shared with us there uh, can be applied in in different cities, and of course that busyness and transience is going to manifest itself in different ways, you know, here in Manchester, uh, certainly in my context, it's not necessary that the transience comes from students or or business workers, It's, it's more from our asylum seeker brothers and sisters, and even throughout lockdown, we've had, uh, you know, several members who've been, who received the phone call, got picked up and then taken to a completely different city. Uh, and that was, of course, tremendously difficult for them, taking to a completely new place with no one that they knew in that in that city. But also hard for us as a church family. But I think what, what you were saying there about sending people on rather than moving people on, or perhaps in our case, seeing people moved on is a, a really helpful way uh to to think about it and to have that spirit of, of radical generosity yeah a wonderful thought there so thanks thanks so much for all that Luke really really helpful while you're here um I do want to ask sort of a bonus a bonus question uh, you've just completed a uh, a master's and, and you, you did your master's dissertation I believe on William Tyndale Uh, And I just thought, could you share with us just briefly something about who he is and anything that would be helpful from his his life or his thought uh, for for church planters, church leaders listening to this conversation?
1: Yes, well, William Tyndale, um, uh, we're back there in the early 16th century and um, he's known for his uh, translation of the New Testament into an English that has become the, uh, really the basis of all um, English translations of the Bible uh, since. So a real um, watershed um, uh, man in that way. Um, But what William Tyndale isn't so often remembered for is um, being the, the theologian. He's he's remembered as a translator, but not so much as the theologian. But of course, you can't do translation without theology. Theology drives it. And um, he's an intriguing man on uh, well on so many uh, uh, fronts. And certainly his 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 story ending in martyrdom is a uh, is a dramatic one, um, but what was his context and this is might be the one thing to say really is is, is 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 just thinking of um you know in the church planting context where you're um you're you're starting out and to an extent you're working within structures but in another way you are wanted to be unshackled from uh, uh structures to embed um uh, vibrant christian communities in uh, tyndale's um context Now he's not a man who ever got the chance to write down a systematic theology um, uh, and he certainly didn't come out with um, great um, plans for um, how you would reform a church, Um, but in his day he knew that even in the basic vocabulary of the way you talked about church, there needed to be um, a, 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 an overhaul, a massive, um, refreshing. So, for example, that word church. Um, in his day, the church would. Um, well, if, if person if you said church, people would think church building in which a lot of different things happened and um, uh, yeah, among those things that happened, there would be um, a lot of ritualistic activities, most of it which was out of reach and out of comprehension to the um, to the average person on the street. Um, but when Tyndale read the Greek New Testament, he discovered there that church referred to, well, a gathering, whether in which, in the midst of which the um, the gospel was being preached, or perhaps rather, it's where the gospel's being preached, and around it, there assembles a gathering. Um, Tyndale also knew that in the day, people would, when they used the word church, um, they would be speaking of, um, well, the Roman Catholic clergy. There'd be it's. There'd be, the word would, ref, you know, be shorthand for this whole um, hierarchy and, and, and system of, of religion. Um, so at the very least, the word church referred to an elite group. But more broadly, it referred to a whole system of um, religion. And again, was that of the gospel? How, did, how were you um, going to help people to understand uh, what church was when they were conditioned to think about it um, only with uh, what their eyes could see of some pretty archaic practices? So when Tyndale translates the New Testament into English, rather than using that word Church, which was loaded with so many connotations, he chose to use the word congregation. Um, and he got a lot of stick for <laughs> so using the word congregation. But did you see what he did in that? Um, again, uh, theologically, it's a huge move. He says the primary, the basic thing we're referring to when we talk about the church is the gathering of the people. Um, and through that, he meant both the clergy and the laity, to use that terminology, together and uh, yet unshackled from all of the other assumptions about what church might mean, Um, uh, unshackled from that whole um, system of practices of what might go on in a church building, but he says church at its basic uh, level, um, most simply, refers to the congregation that's who you start with and you can build up all sorts uh off the back of that and you can go in so many directions but if that's your starting point um which you
0: should be uh then you're off to a very good start indeed fantastic is, is there any kind of book on on Tyndale or or a biography that you might uh, recommend Putting
1: you on the spot. If sorry. If you're into biographies, then then I then yeah, I would recommend uh, David Daniels' um uh, biography of uh, William Tyndale, which is probably still at the moment the the authoritative one, um uh, and helpfully introduces you to the story of the man, but um also uh the uh, the theology and the thinking, mm. and again, there's much light. Uh, that can be shed into our situation, even from uh, a man whose life was cut short mm. years
0: ago. Oh well, well, thank you, Luke. Well, look, it's uh, it's been so good talking to you, Luke. Thank you so much for for sharing your wisdom on on those uh, topics. And it's just exciting that these these local congregations, uh, whether they are in these these big cities. Like London and Manchester or happening in these small farming villages like where I'm from that is what Jesus is doing by his spirit in the world he's he's growing seeing them planted grow and 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 sent out you know faithful men and women sent out into into the world uh, as his ambassadors and that's a a wonderful thing to be be a part of thank you for all the wisdom you've shared particularly regards to leading in the city and there's just so much there to to, to consider and think through further and thanks for everyone who's been listening as well i uh, hope this has been a blessing to you thanks luke thanks for your time nice.